chapter 11, my conversion. On a warm day early in the summer of 1959, Molly and I drove 60 miles from Vallejo to Sacramento to attend the California State Fair. It was about two months before we got married. We were at the stage of our relationship where we talked and shared everything. As we drove along, I told her the story of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. The funny thing is, I wasn't even active in the church at the time, but still I felt impressed to share that incredible story. I'll have to admit I was a little surprised and even pleased when she accepted it to be true and seemed anxious to know more. Later that following winter, after we had been married for a few months, the missionaries showed up on our doorstep. Molly was happy to see them and readily welcomed them into our small apartment. She literally feasted on the new and marvelous truths that the missionaries taught. I likewise felt the spirit as they sat around our small kitchen table and shared flannel board stories of our Father in Heaven's plan of salvation. Molly did as the missionaries challenged her to do. She prayed about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, and she soon received a manifestation of the Spirit that let her know for a certainty that everything she had been taught was true. She was baptized very shortly thereafter. Molly was very excited about the gospel and from that point forward desired all the blessings available to her. As for me, I sort of went through the motions. I too was convinced that it was true. After all, I was the one who told her the Joseph Smith story to begin with. But it wasn't until almost two years later, when I was 22 years old, that I received a manifestation of my own that caused me to not only be convinced, but converted. Ever since I was a little boy, I had sort of a testimony of the gospel. I don't know how or why, but I just seemed to know that the gospel was true. And there were times that I would boldly proclaim that it was true, even if I wasn't living it. But a testimony needs nourishment. It needs lots of it. Without nourishment, it will fade. It will become but a shadow. That's what happened to me. Oh, I, I think there was always an ember glowing there somewhere. But there were no flames. And I know that eventually the ember would have grown cold. It would have been as if I had never known. Thank heavens the Lord didn't forsake me during my times of foolishness. Quite the contrary, 
He answered my mother's prayers and Molly's prayers and the prayers of whoever else was praying for me. The answer came in the form of a simple request from Molly's sister, Marilyn. After Molly joined the church, she had a big influence on both of her sisters as well as her parents. First, her older sister, Anita, converted, and then her younger sister, Marilyn, was headed in the same direction. In fact, she was taking the missionary discussions in our home. At a certain point during the discussions, the missionaries challenged Marilyn to be baptized. She accepted the challenge. Then the missionaries asked whom she would like to have baptized and confirm her. Nine out of ten new converts select the missionaries who taught them to have this honor. It's just the way it goes. But without any hesitation, Marilyn looked right at me and said, I want Norm to baptize me. Then, after a short pause, she looked back at the missionaries and said, And I want Harv to confirm me. I thought the part about Harv was great. Harvey Lynn was Anita's boyfriend at the time, and I knew he was a good guy. He'd been on a mission, and I felt he was probably worthy of doing both the baptism and the confirmation. I thought, yeah, why don't we just let Harv do the whole thing? But I said nothing. I was just too stunned. Suddenly, all eyes in the room were on me. I especially remember Molly looking at me with a small, hopeful smile. I thought to myself, there is no way. I I'm not worthy. I, I only go to church to please Molly. I'm doing things in my life that are not consistent with the teachings of the gospel. It's not possible. I, I can't. I, I won't. Then I mumbled something out loud. I'm not sure what. I suppose it was some vague attempt at an apology. But Marilyn would not budge. She insisted. The elders encouraged me to really seriously consider it. Hadn't they heard what I said? Didn't they feel my negativity? What was up with these guys? Finally, I said, Okay, I'll think about it, hoping that they would just continue on with the discussion and I could still graciously back out of it a little later. But they didn't continue on with the discussion. They, they all just sat there looking at me, waiting for me to think about it. And so, for the first time in my life, I seriously thought. I pondered and wrestled with the consequences of agreeing to such a proposition. I would have to make some changes in my life, some permanent changes. Could I do it? And if so, how could I do it? These thoughts and many others were running through my mind. All the while, Marilyn, Molly, and the missionaries were patiently sitting there, waiting for my answer. I remember that I was leaning against the wall heater in the living room, feeling like it would be great if I could just sink into the wall and disappear. It seemed like an eternity that I just stood there thinking and praying. 
Besides my own earnest prayer, I suspect that everyone in the room was silently praying for me. I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but I began to feel a warmth within myself. It seemed as if something was fanning that little ember and it was coming to life. Whatever it was, it felt good and it gave me not only the courage but also the desire to say, I'll do it. I'm not sure how or what I have to do, but I'll do it. The words came out just like that. It was at that moment in time that the flame ignited. As small as it was, it was definitely there. Not long after that night, I had the privilege of entering the waters of baptism and performing that sacred ordinance of baptism for Maryland. The week after I baptized Maryland, I was sitting in the bishop's office pleading my case for becoming an elder and going to the temple. I was on fire and anxious to receive all the blessings that were available to me and my family. Normally when someone comes back into activity there is a waiting period prior to going to the temple, often up to a year. I told the bishop that I didn't need a waiting period. I was ready right then and I wouldn't be any more ready six months or even a year later. Kind of brash of me, I know, but that's the way I felt. He finally gave me his approval. The next hurdle was that I had to convince the stake president of the same thing, namely that I, who was inactive a week prior, was ready to be ordained an elder and take on the commitments and the covenants of the temple. I don't remember the conversation, but I do remember walking out of the office with his approval. One month from the time of my conversion, Molly and I, along with our three-year-old son Donnie and our nine-month-old son Norman Ray, were on our way to Utah to be sealed as a family. We stayed in Salt Lake City for a couple of days with Aunt Verona, my mother's sister, before traveling south to Manti. The Manti Temple was a temple in which my parents were sealed, so it just seemed like the temple for us. The date of our sealing was May 28th, 1963. I vividly remember kneeling across from Molly at the altar in the temple, clasping her hand in mine, looking into her eyes, and there being sealed to her for time and for all eternity by one holding the authority to do so. There was a feeling of eternal love that enveloped the room as we listened to the beautiful blessing that was pronounced upon us. After Molly and I were sealed, Donnie and Norman were brought into the sealing room. They were both dressed in pure white and looked like little angels. Donnie was wide-eyed 
and quietly took in everything that happened. He obediently followed the instructions that were given him and knelt with us at the altar, putting his little hand on top of ours. Norman was sound asleep, so the attendant who brought him in gently placed him on the altar and then placed his little hand on top of Donnie's. I remember that peaceful scene as if it happened just yesterday. Our little family was sealed together by the power of the Holy Priesthood, a sealing that will last through the eternities so long as we remain worthy. Each of our children that have come into this world since that memorable day have been born under the covenant, which means they are sealed to us just as sure as if they were all there in the temple, kneeling beside us with their hands on ours. And perhaps they were. I have been extremely blessed because of being touched by the Spirit so long ago. On that night that I leaned against the wall heater and made the most important decision of my life. The fire is no longer just a small little flame. It continues to grow, and I pray that when it is finally my time to return home, that it will be brighter and stronger than ever. Ever since that night, I've tried not to hesitate when the Lord calls. I am so eternally indebted to Him. As King Benjamin said in the Book of Mormon, He doth require that ye should do as he hath commanded you, for which if ye do, he doth immediately bless you, and therefore he hath paid you, and ye are still indebted unto him, and are and will be forever and ever. I know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, that he loves me, and that he wants me to be happy. I know the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. It has been a blessing and strength to me ever since I truly discovered it just a few days after the flame was ignited. I know that the Lord loves and watches over my family and that He is there through all our trials and tribulations as well as through all our joys and successes. This I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>